Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Visionary Focus Podcast. Today we've got an awesome guest. we got Noah Ryan. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Noah, how's it going, man? Good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk. Um, you know, excited. I think we got some good topics we can cover here. Yeah, so Noah's like a very interesting character. For the few people who follow him on Twitter, he knows a lot of stuff in terms of like biohacking um, and just so much stuff, even like business-wise. I've read, I've read up some of your stuff, but you seem like a super interesting character. And I was like, okay, we got to get Noah on the pod and just, you know, talk about all type of stuff. Because I'm, I'm also heavy into like, you know, fitness, stuff like that. So I think we can chat a lot about all that. So tell us now what, what you've been up to, man. Where, where, where are you at right now? Yeah, so I'm in Mexico right now, uh, Mexico City. I came here originally beginning of January, was not planning on staying in Mexico City for long, fell in love with it, you know, built a really good community out here. Um, I've been, you know, traveling a lot within Mexico, but this week I'm leaving for a while, going to go down to South America um, and kind of just do a little bit more of a tour, get back to the nomad lifestyle. But um, no, it's good. It's great down here. I really can't complain. It's an awesome country. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so what made you go to Mexico? Why not somewhere else? Yeah. So, you know, I graduated college in 2020 um, and it was always my plan to move to Southeast Asia. I was optimizing everything for doing that. I studied abroad. I went to school in Bangkok and, you know, I fell in love with the culture out there. It's super unique. You know, I was studying anthropology there. So like really getting a core understanding of all the various cultures and then COVID happened. So, you know, I was not even in school for the end of my like end of my senior year and that sucked and i was doing some traveling stateside you know visiting some friends that i knew through business out in south carolina and stuff i was like all right well i'm just gonna work you know i was building cybersecurity software back then so i'm like i'm just gonna go back to minnesota hunker down and wait until covid's done which i thought was gonna be like six months and move to south america but you know flash forward is 2021 and i was like god i've tried to do this like three times every time it gets canceled because there's a new variant that comes out so I was down in Peru for a few weeks, uh, just like exploring the jungle. And I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to move to whatever place is the most open. As long as it's tropical, as long as it's exotic, you know, I'm going. And Mexico just was the best fit. And, I, you know, I spoke Spanish. So that helped as well. <laughs> I could I could imagine. You know, you're not the typical gringo, you know, as they say. Cause, uh, no. Yeah, exactly. Lang- language unites people. You know what I mean? Like, as soon as you speak the language, people connect with you on a deeper level. You know, hundred percent. And I just think it's so important. You know, I come down to Mexico and there's so many gringos like me that have been here for months, years, and they don't speak any Spanish because they just stick to those more cosmopolitan areas. And I'm the opposite. You know, I want to go to like true, most authentic regions. I want to be the only foreigner. I want to speak the language. I think, you know, I owe it to the people here to at least try to learn the language and try to immerse myself in the culture. So, mm. you know, I'm eating tacos out of taco stands. I uh, I get dinner when I'm here in Mexico City, they call there, it's called like comida casera. It's just like home cooked meals that you can get from people's houses. You know, I get that every day and it's just such a great peer into a completely different culture. And it's fascinating. Yeah, the food probably is pr- like pretty clean as well. It's not like your typical processed American food, you know, like. Uh... Yeah. Except for the seed oils, other than the seed oils is pretty good. Mm, that's awesome so tell me so you were in college and then you eventually went into some cybersecurity thing i'm just curious about like how you end up here right so yeah because you're telling me there was like the whole COVID thing that was happening and eventually you started something in a cybersecurity space so how did that even happen in the first place yeah you know it was a very odd progression i've always been really big into like doing my own thing 
um, like finding ways to make money that was cool and just like, you know, creating value and like creating more or less brands, right? So when I was in high school, I was building products and projects. You know, one of my biggest things early on was vape juice uh, back in the day before I realized how horrible it was for my health. Um, but, you know, I was in in my room tinkering and ex experimenting with like different different formulas, like buying products online with like a fake ID. Probably shouldn't tell anyone that. Um, but anyway, I was in I was in college and I was building my own e-commerce company. I created a product, you know, had a patent on it and trademark on it. But, you know, I needed money. So I took an internship with a cybersecurity startup really early on. Just the founder. You know, he was a VP at Cisco. He left that job to start this and had a CTO. So I came on as an intern and kind of just played the game. You know, I should have not been in that position. I'm not a technical person by nature. Um, you know, I'm a marketer, right? Like I'm a, I'm a people person, but you know, it ended up working really well. The synergy was there and I really enjoyed the responsibility. So I just stuck with it for a long time and eventually came on as head of operations, um, came on, you know, technically as a co-founder got, you know, like those founding shares and equity in the company. And, uh, you know, I was doing that for like two years. But, you know, at the end of those two years, I was like, wait a minute, like I've put my heart and soul into this. Like I've been following it for so long and kind of just realized I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I wasn't passionate about cybersecurity. I wasn't passionate about the product that I was building. I just thought it was cool. You know, I was still a kid and there was a lot of ego tied to it. Right. I thought that I was it was cool to, for me to be doing that in school. And then I graduated and I was still doing it. I'm like, there's so many things that, to me that are more important that I would much rather be spending my time doing, even if that means making less money even if that means having less security. So, you know, I left, I left a lot of my equity on the table and um, kind of just walked out and never looked back. And I knew it was the right decision because I have no regrets about it. And like, sometimes it was tough trying to rebuild that identity when so much of it was like, you know, I was running uh, operations at this company at, at a young age. So I did that and like had a little bit of time of ambiguity. I was doing consulting for some IT companies and then eventually started doing growth consulting for other agencies. And then that's when I kind of tapped into the agency model I always like solving problems, especially other people's problems. I just found them to be more unique and novel. Uh, you know, my like your own problems are kind of boring, but if it's someone else's, it's all new to you. Really and then, cool. um, you know, I just kind of really got interested in creating agencies and service-based models that are highly scalable and like high value, right? Because like the worst thing, as you probably know, that you want to do is create a business model where the value is kind of um, it's not apparent, right? It's like not present. So yeah, that's kind of how I end up where I was now. And then I flipped the switch from trying to build my life around my work and my business to building my work and my business around my life that I want. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on for the last year or so. That's awesome. Most people like don't have that type of awareness to take a step back. And I, I, I don't know, like I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of like serial entrepreneurs, a lot of digital nomad type of dudes, right? A lot of freelancers. And some people, they want to build something really big, but they shouldn't, you know, they should build something that's like, like people want to build like the million dollar plus business, but they'd be much better off building a business that's making them 100K a year, 10K per month, and then they could just live the life they want. And then some people's the opposite. They're building something small, but they should aim a lot higher, right? So it really depends on people. It depends on you. But I think what you did was really good, like taking a step back when you were in that cybersecurity. You know, who knows if you didn't take the decision back then, where you would have been now, right? Because you could easily, like, comfort-wise, you know, you have a consistent amount of money coming in. You could easily said, you know what, let me just stay here for a little bit longer, and we'll figure, we'll see how it goes, you know. But I think just like, like straight up, just saying, okay, I'm, I'm gonna take a change right away, and being really straight with yourself right away, 
that was super important because that complete change of trajectory, you know? Yeah, you're completely right. And, you know, there was security there and the upside potential. I mean, that is one of the fastest growing industries behind renewable energy is cybersecurity. And it makes total sense. And it was like, it was cool on paper and on surface, but in the middle of the day, like at the end of the day, I was behind a computer all day and I was working with analytic or analysts and engineers, and that's just not my cup of tea. And I found parts of myself that I really valued kind of atrophying, right? Like I wasn't going out and being the social person that I wanted to be, you know, working with engineers all day, I was becoming an engineer and I didn't like it. I didn't like who I was becoming. And that's how I knew I needed to leave. I knew it was going to be a more difficult road, uh, but it was so worth it. And you brought up a great point, right? Yeah, some people need to be more ambitious. Some people need to slow down and realize that Rome wasn't built in a day. And it really comes down to your values. And I took a big hard look and I'm like, I don't want a billion dollar business. Like, I don't really care for all that esteem. I don't want to be at the top of some sort of hierarchical train chain in an organization. I just want freedom. You know, I optimize for freedom and fulfillment. I believe like I believe in work-life balance, but at the same time, it's like, I want my work and my life to be one and the same. And that's kind of what I'm trying to build now. And, uh, you know, the beauty of the internet is you can do that now. Like, you know, I can be on a bus exploring and working at the same time. And I actually find that I work best that way. And um, I've gotten really attuned to understanding when I'm becoming complacent or, you know, not enjoying what I'm doing because it presents itself in my personality and my energy. You know, I'm not as sociable. I'm not as like, but I just don't light up like I normally do. So the second that that happens to me and I become complacent, you know, the first thing I do is change my external environment. I'll move, I'll go to a new city. You know, I, that happened to me a few months ago and I'm like, screw it. You know, I'm going to move to the coast for a month or like a little bit over a month. And it was just like so important, but um, you know, I'm playing the long game here. I plan on doing this for a while. So it's just learning every day, which you probably know all about. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so uh, I heard as well that you're in the, uh... You're, you're big into TikTok as well and helping brands with that. And so, cause I just, we, I think we were talking, you talk, you, you brought up this, the topic of what you were doing. And so I'm just a little curious about how that ended up happening and how you even met your, your business partner as well for the people who don't Yeah. Know. Yeah. I know people ask that. They're like, why would you choose TikTok? And, um, you know, being in software, I've always been very, very interested in like acquisition models. Right. And like, how do these softwares hook people in? And once TikTok came out, obviously it started out as just like people dancing. And that's what a lot of people sell perceptions of. But to remind everyone, you know, Facebook started as a way to rate girls on Harvard campus. So, and like how many businesses that we know as like name brands and like household brands started off the backbone of Facebook ads. But anyway, you know, it was just like looking at the new uh, like algorithmic models of TikTok right, which then transferred into Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts, I was so fascinated with it because it was the first time that it became more of an opt-out model versus an opt-in model in terms of content, right? Normally on YouTube, you have to opt into watching a video, right? You know how long it is. All you have to view it off of is the title and the thumbnail. With TikTok, you know, there's more friction to not watch a video than there is to watch a video because you have to swipe away from it. So I'm like, this is genius. Like if we can get a hook down and we can really, you know, figure out this buyer persona and optimize these videos for that buyer persona, we can let the algorithms do all the work. So, you know, we, I was always fascinated in it. You know, I'm much more of a strategic guy and I know I need to work with executors. That's why I always worked with engineers. I met my current business partner actually on Twitter uh, through Utopia, which was some marketing, you've probably heard of it. It's like a, it's a marketing group. And I um, was talking to him once and he was talking about TikTok as well. 
He's like, yeah, like I think it'd be a really good model to use for content creators, like podcasters, you know, slip up podcast, put them on there. I'm like, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. You know, that's uh, like a great acquisition model. And then he texted me the next day. He's like, dude, I did it. And I hit 100,000, 100,000 views. And like, I just saw that type of execution. And I'm like, man, like he went from idea to execution in less than 24 hours. So I'm like, let's run with this. Like, this is perfect. And, you know, we've been working together what it's may i think we started working together in january or february and uh you know it's been great ever since like really really grateful it's just so important to find someone who has a complementary skill set to you that's awesome that's like it's it's really cool to meet people like you sometimes you meet people online and you feel like it, it go, like a couple of months go by and you feel like you guys have known each other forever like that's the same thing with my business partner it's like we met maybe like six months ago but it feels like we've known each other for so long you know and so there's something about it. It's funny as well, like even online, like on Twitter, some, some people say this where like they feel like people online support them more than the people in real life, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's funny how that works, right? It's just like, it's so well, sometimes kind of upside down, right? Even that's like when you tell people, oh, what you do, they just don't understand. Like some people generally do not think it's a possibility for you to do something online, to run a business online. They're like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing this? You're doing that. Or they're going to think something negative about what it is you're doing because they don't understand that it's an actual possibility, you know, and not only older people, even younger people as well. I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've had a little bit of this experience as well, right? Because some people 100%. might not get it, you know? Absolutely. I, I called my mom for Mother's Day and she, I was telling her my plan. She's like, oh, like I thought you were going to come back to the United States and get a real job. I'm like, no, like I, I had to hold back because I was like, are you kidding me? And that kind of just reaffirmed my decision. And like, yeah, at the end of the day, the world is changing so rapidly. I think there's such a big generational divide because obviously the world that our grandparents grew up in was more or less pretty similar to the world that our parents grew up in. But the world that we grew up in is drastically different than the world that our parents grew up in. So it's kind of sad. You know, it's kind of unfortunate because there is this gap in understanding um, you know, I had a lot of advisors in college, you know, a lot of professors that are extremely successful, extremely intelligent. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them gave me pretty bad advice because the world that they know and the world that they grew up in is just not what it is now. And, you know, the values are different. So that's something I realized pretty early on. I mean, I'm 24 and, you know, I'm talking to guys that are like 20, 22, and they're inspiring the shit out of me. So, you know, age is so relative now. You know, like I said, you know, working on TikTok, some of the best creators and the best people to work with, they're like 19. You know, my sister, I think she's like 18. She just graduated high school. And I go to her for TikTok advice more than any, you know, tenured marketer. I think any marketer over the age of 30, you know, they become a little bit accustomed to the traditional, you know, paid ad, paid media model. So mm -hmm. um, it's, just, it's, it's always so crazy. But you're right about people online being like oftentimes more supportive than people in person. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that like a lot of the relationships you have in the real world are relationships of convenience, right? It's because you have like 40 people in your class. You're like, all right, this isn't probably the best person to spend my time with, but out of the 40 is the best. Well, if you have access to all 7.1 billion people in the world, and if there are platforms that enable people that are like-minded to come together, like Twitter, for example, I mean, the opportunity to meet people that are just aligned with your goals and your vision and your motivation it's endless. And at the end of the day, you become like the people you spend your most time with. You know, if you spend enough time with a group, you kind of align your goals with that group. So it sets the bar higher. You know, you see people doing really well with these businesses that they started from nothing, you know, at 19 years old. And you're like, hey, that's great. Like, I want to do that. I can do that. Let's do it all together. So it's 
I, I mean, I've met you on mm. Twitter. You probably yep. met so many people on Twitter. Right. Twitter is incredible. I think it's that small corner of Twitter is like a gold mine. Like it's a, you, you pretty much find a it's like a concentration of like minded individuals that are working towards, you know, tapping into their fullest potential. It's not very often you come across something like that. And same, I think, you know, communities online, it's Twitter in a way is a community. And I think even Utopia, what was a VCOM created is also like phenomenal, right? Because you can just every day you could message three people in that community and every week you're making amazing connections you know what i mean and so you don't know what that could lead to right and i mean even how you met your business partner maybe you guys are struck a random conversation next thing you know you guys are on the call next thing you know you guys are starting an agency now and now you guys are running a full-time visit you know what i mean it can move like super quick i don't even know how that happened but i'm sure it was like you know you guys connect and then next thing you know you're on a call next thing you like you were saying that they went super fast right yeah dude it was literally that it was like i don't even remember how i met him oh it was on <laughs> This get this. So he was a photographer. His name's Jack. Jack Hartley. He is an incredible, like incredible, incredible content guy. And I think a lot of it comes from his background of photography. But yeah, he he like I met him on Twitter. I like followed him. This was like right when I first started Twitter. I had like ten followers, maybe. Um, wasn't really posting much. But he like was like, hey, like I have these cool photos. Like, like if you want it for your wallpaper, like DM me. I'm like, oh, this is pretty sweet. Like, yeah, dude, send me the photo. And he sent me in. I'm like, hey, let's hop on a call. And then, boom, like, as soon as you know it, like, we're partners. And uh, it was just just like that. And what you said about, like, knowing, only knowing someone for a few months, but feeling like you knew him forever. I mean, when you're talking to that person every single day for, like, a few hours a day, and, like, you guys are both just ravenously going towards the same goal, the amount of camaraderie there is just incredible. You know, it's like the same thing with sports teams, but it's just more aligned, more time together more focus on one goal and it's just two of you as opposed to a whole team so that's yeah, pretty cool that's awesome that's awesome and so um how have you been uh, handling building because i mean you guys how, how long has you guys started this like i mean i feel like this has been done very quickly and you're also traveling so my question was going to be like how did you manage the both of these and like how long ago did you start because not many people like start building a business while also moving a lot you know 100 percent. and yeah we did it really quick the model that we're doing now, which is user generated content and organic growth, you know, that's that's one where we crack the code on. We're like, we can provide some major value here. We just started doing that a few months ago and we've been doing really well with it, gotten some great results for our clients. Before that, we were doing content management for creators, you know, because it's really difficult to convince someone to watch an hour and a half long podcast like this. It's a lot easier to convince someone to watch a 30 second video and then maybe another one and another one. Okay, now they're watching all of your TikTok videos and then we convert them over to YouTube. Now they're watching five minutes to 10 minute clips and then they're watching the full podcast and then they're listeners for life. Now that was a great model and it worked really well. The only issue was the disparity between the purchase point and the point of conversion where like they actually make money from that, you know, from that listener. It's so far away, right? Because they mm. have to go through that whole funnel and then they have to become loyal listeners and then they have to buy, you know, a product from their sponsor. So it was really difficult. And we're like, why don't we just work with products? You know, products are so much more straightforward. They're so much more emotionally based in terms of purchases and like products are way more fun. Like it's way more fun for us to create our own content than snip up other people's contents. So yeah, we started that and we scaled really fast. You know, we both started out. I was very clear that, you know, I want this to be a very lean model. Uh, you know, you mentioned the difference between lean models and like large models. I want it to be super lean. I want it to be super straightforward. And I want us to optimize for client value and anything else 
that is, you know, orthogonal to that, we put in a box and we lock away. You know, we're very diligent about avoiding shiny object syndrome. Um, you know, every time we have a meeting, we always start. It's like our goal is to cut the Gordian knot. And that like is uh, an allude to Alexander the Great, you know, that knot. And they're like, whoever, you know, unties this knot gets like homage and, you know, gets to rule all of Persia and all the land. So he looks at it for a little bit and he's like, he just cuts it in half. You know, he doesn't want to work and like twiddle with untying it. So we just focus on being very simple, very straightforward and just optimizing for value. And we take a step back every single day, every single week, and we reset. We're like, okay, this is not a priority. This is not a priority. This is not a priority. This is. So we do that. Um, I love that. That, yeah, that keeps yeah. things super clear, you know? And clarity so, is super important. Like, it's so underrated. Like, yeah, it's like, almost it's like it's a given. Good. It's like a given. People think it's a given. But a lot of times, like, one of the most common issues, like, while you're having your issues in your business, or whatever you're doing, is because of a lack of clarity. Like a lot of the time. And I think that's super 100%. key because then you guys also make sure you guys are both aligned in the same direction. You guys are in the same wavelength, right? Therefore, that really sets you guys up for success even before actually putting in the work because you guys are both clear on where you're going, you know? So that's Absolutely. like, that's that's really good. Super solid. And that's a, that's a perfect yeah. way of putting it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's a perfect visual, visualization for it. I mean, you can work your ass off 24 7. But if you're not focusing that energy, so much of it's going to dissipate and fall into the cracks, right? It's going to go into entropy. But if you're just really clear on this is the one thing we need to focus our attention on, you put all energy there. The amount of work that you can get done, the amount of fucking value that you can provide in just a few hours a day is just unmatched and unbeatable. It's all about identifying North Star metrics and sticking to them uh, and just like being resilient and kind of just being stubborn and not letting shiny object syndrome get in the way. Yeah. And so my next question was, how have you been managing building your business and also traveling all over? Because this is a very common question that a lot of people have and they're not sure if they can make it happen. So tell me, what's, uh, yeah. what's your secret sauce here, bro? <laughs> Every, everyone asks that. And, you know, it's like what I said, optimizing for simplicity, optimizing for clarity and optimizing for straightforwardness. And as I mentioned, you know, I wanted to build a business around my lifestyle. I didn't want to build my lifestyle around my business. So I love training. You know, I just got back from like a two hour training session. I usually do jujitsu at night as well and Muay Thai. So, you know, that's part of my job in my sense, because if I wouldn't do it, I don't think I'd be as productive as I am and as focused as I am. So, you know, it, it really for me comes down to identifying those top growth levers and then just optimizing for them every day. Right. Like, what's the one thing I can do today that's going to move my business forward? What are these things that are, you know, in the Pareto principle where it's like, what are the 20% of actions that are going to move me 80% of the way forward? Just optimize for those. So that's number one. Number two is just identifying strengths. I'm very much like a strategy guy. I really like moving the needle big picture. I love communicating and like building and networking and connecting with people. So, you know, I optimize for that. And my partner, Jack's just an incredible executor. So he's really good at what he does with executing and just getting shit done and killing it. So like being realistic about that and then finding out ways to delegate that are smart and that, you know, you feel confident in. So, you know, working with other people, working with partners, working with VAs, um, it really just comes from trial and error. And if you start, like, remember, I started this process of optimizing my career, my skill sets and, you know, my business models around this lifestyle when I was 19. Right. When I was in when I was in Bangkok and I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is the lifestyle I want to live for the foreseeable future. So like everything I've been doing so far has been within that context. 
Now, there have been times where it's difficult, right? I was in Oaxaca for a month in Puerto Escondido, and I didn't have Wi-Fi. Like, I wouldn't be able to be doing this Zoom call right now. The crazy thing is, even with those constraints, I was able to move the needle further on my business than I did in the last two months where I was relatively complacent. And I was working on my phone most of the time. You know, I closed a client on one bar of 3G on a bus uh, in the mountains. So I find for me personally that constraints breed creativity and it just like it reinforces that focus. You know, I, I don't know if this is the same for you, but in high school, I always got the best grades during spring because I was in the most sports then. So I had the least amount of time. And I really had to optimize. You know, if you have too much time and you have too much opportunity and too many things to do, like you kind of just end up, you know, running on that treadmill. Um, if it's really tough for you to do anything, you're going to make sure you get only the most important things done. So I'd say it's just a relentless focus on resetting and assessing priorities and just executing on the 20% of things that are going to move me 80% of the way forward. Boom. Super well said. Super well said. Too easy to focus on all of the fluff except the things that actually move things forward. And sometimes the things that move the th everything forward the most are the things that are like boring. You know what I mean? Like, it's like 100%. not super flashy, but it's it's actually going to get you where you want to be. And so uh, that's awesome. I think the the 80 20 method, I think it's super important, especially when you're moving and you don't have that much time. And I really like what you said, where in like springtime, where you don't have as much time, but you need to get stuff done. It's like you just find a way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like I'm, 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 I'm the same. Like when I'm under pressure or like time pressure, or I need to get this done. Otherwise, there's going to be certain consequence. You just find a way. You know what I mean? It's just like something happens where like also when you have too much time, you know, now things are like, oh, whatever. You know, there's room for you to be unproductive. There's, you, there's room for you to don't do shit, you know, yes. because there's not there's no consequence. There's nothing wrong that's going to go. It's like, oh, what's worse that's going to happen? It's like, oh, I fail, whatever, you know. But when you have like a time pressure, you're like, oh, OK, if I don't get this done now, like I'm going to be late to practice. I'm late to practice, whatever, you know, it's going to affect my performance, you know? So now it's like, okay, I need to get this done or I'm graduating early. I need to get this done now. Otherwise I'm not going to graduate early. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to go off on my own earlier than I thought. Right. So it's like time constraint makes things happen, you know, spot on, you know, there's this, there's this, it's called Parkinson's law and essentially it goes the time requirements of an activity expands and contracts based on how much time you allot it. So that's why like in school, obviously, like everybody's really good at cramming in a 20 page essay in two hours when it's due the night before. But you know, you give me three months to do it. And like, it's going to take me three months to do it. So I just am like very realistic about that. I know that I operate best under pressure and I operate best when there's constraints. So that's why like, I like locking things down in calendars. I like making that verbal commitment, you know, like it's like, listen, man, yeah, I love this. Let me get a contract to you by this Monday at 4 p.m. He didn't ask for it. I could say like, yeah, let me get it to you next week. But I know if I say that, like there's no fire under my ass to get it done. So that's one thing that I do. Um, you know, I, I have ADHD, uh, as probably most people on Twitter do. But, you know, it's it's being realistic about that and being realistic that I'm kind of only motivated when I'm either having fun, when it's a competition or when there's actual negative consequences. And one of the biggest things that I've been focusing on in terms of negative consequences is like avoiding the cognitive dissonance of me wanting to be someone who does what they say they're going to do and not doing what I say I'm going to do. So it's like, if I say I'm gonna get this to someone at this time, like I better fucking do it or else I'm gonna hate myself, you know? So it's, it's making those constraints. One of the things that I do when I really don't wanna work is there's this app called Focusmate. 
And what it does is it connects you with some random person on Zoom. Uh, it's like their own form of Zoom. And you have to tell them what you're going to do in those 25 to 50 minutes. And then at the end, you have to tell them how far you got. And you're on a video call. So like I can't go on TikTok on my phone and do, you know, quote unquote market research. I can't go on Twitter or anything. So I have to get this done. And I just realized it's so much easier to get shit done when I do that. Like something I think is going to take me 25 minutes, takes me 10 minutes. Yeah, because you have someone keeping you accountable, like straight up. hundred <laughs> percent. That's why I only work in coffee shops because I can't be on YouTube if I'm in a coffee shop. Like I want to be seen as someone who's working and actually getting shit done. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be watching like MMA videos on my computer um if i'm in a coffee shop working yeah i heard i heard a few people saying i think on twitter like they're like going to a coffee shop to like write some stuff and when they have other people watch naturally they're just out here typing you know what i mean like it just it gets them to an automatic flow because they're aware of other people watching and the people might not even be like reading what they're doing but they're like so they, they can sense people looking at their screen right and naturally it just forces you to do work because you're like oh they're reading what i'm writing i better write something good <laughs> You know, and so it gives yeah. you that little, little boost to to put in that that extra go that extra mile. You know, so I definitely it's that think external accountability. It it works like a charm. You know, humans want to be seen as effective by others. We want to fit in. So if, like a, you know, so we're talking about being in an environment and your goals aligning with that environment. If I'm in a coffee shop and everyone's grinding, you know, I go to some coffee shops in Mexico City and I see people that are like working in VC. You know very pretentious i'm like i want to be like these guys like i want to work like like these guys so it works you know just something you got to be aware of some people are like no nah, i can only work in a room i can't so yeah i'm saying and i think it's also seeing understanding yourself well enough to know how you could leverage your own like psychology like i know like like uh for me i can leverage my own mind with pain like if i tell myself if i don't do this there's going to be a certain super heavy consequence it's going to motivate me a lot more than pleasure right for some people it's going to be pleasure for some people it's going to be something else but i understand for me it's pain like if i give myself a painful consequence something i really really hate that i would not want to happen naturally i'll find a way to trick my brain to get it done you know so i tell all the other people it's like hey if you have a hard time let's say acquiring clients and you need to send more outreach right you need to send more emails tell yourself if i don't send let's say 20 emails a day for example or 20 messages a day every day five times a week or six times a week if i don't do that every single day by sunday there's going to be xyz consequence and it's going to be something super serious and you're actually going to have to follow up with it and naturally you look at your whiteboard every day and you look at it and naturally you're like oh man i gotta do my hours today otherwise i'm gonna have to face that consequence it's all about being like true to yourself as well because nobody's watching you could just not do the consequence but then you're just not respecting yourself you know what i mean so it's like you got to follow up with that and so naturally you just get it done so it comes back yeah. it's like full circle to what you were saying earlier you know I, I see it on your whiteboard back there 10 to 30 a day that's great right. and yeah once once you start making it a habit and you start just making it part of your identity like i do this every day it no longer becomes work you know i used to never make my bed i had a messy room you know i was a slob i call myself a reformed slob because now i'm super minimalist you know i live out of a suitcase and like i have very few things and i keep my external environment very clutter free for the most part uh none of this stuff is mine by the way uh that's uh other stuff but um yeah like i mean you think about it when i first like started making my bed it was the worst thing ever i hated it but now i just make my bed habitually i don't even notice it so you do something for two to three weeks and it just becomes part of who you are and it becomes part of your identity and then boom like you're doing it every day now that's right that's right and so tell me what's your what's your vision going forward right now so 
um, you know, because you tell me you're going to travel a lot more in South America, but even with the current stuff you're doing, like, what's your grand grandiose vision of the future for uh, for Noah? Yeah, so, you know, I've always struggled with goal setting. I'm much more of a guy that focuses on the process than the outcome. I just found, like, I identified all the areas where I, I achieved some form of, like, perceived success, and I just realized none of them had ties to any goals. It was just because I like going in and showing up every day. Um, so like, I'm trying to look at life as seasons. And right now I'm in this season of, you know, being a nomad, right? Being a nomad and building businesses and just building value and building relationships. So, you know, I want to continue to build out this service agency. I really like it. I love the brands that I work with and I just want to continue to work with cool people, like cool people and cool brands that I can get, that I can get behind. So, you know, that's number one. And then two, parlaying that into my own product, right? I love branding. It's always been what I've been most obsessed with. It's telling stories, right? It's like bringing together like-minded people and it's empathizing with people uh, to like make change in the world. And obviously my big focus is health. You know, that's the one thing I've always been obsessed with. It's one thing I will always be obsessed with. So finding ways to more and more align my work and my life around health and, you know, health education, most importantly, one of the best ways to educate is to create a brand. And one of the best ways to create a brand is to create a product. So I'm just looking at it pragmatically and focusing on that. You know, given my background in software, you know, I'd also love to build a SaaS. So next three years, it's all travel. It's all exploring, you know, finding my hubs, finding my spots, finding my people and building, uh, you know, service-based agency, e-commerce and uh, SaaS all in the next three years. That's what it looks like. Keeping it open-ended though. That's awesome. That sounds like a good... Uh... It sounds, it sounds like it's all gonna happen like the vision the vision seems is out there it's it's already happened time just catching up you know so tell me so i have another question so regarding health and fitness right when traveling what's what are some key could be could be like principles or like ways that you keep yourself you know fit and healthy as you know because a lot of people like travel all the time and they say hey i don't have time to stay in good health or whatever i mean those are can all be bullshit excuses, but like a lot of people say they can't like hit their optimal fitness or they can't keep their optimal health while traveling. And so I was wondering what tricks have you implemented to, you know, to keep staying in good shape, you know? And I mean, this is such a simple question, you know, but I'm curious because other people might be asking themselves this question, like, oh, how do I do it? You know, it's a great question. It is a really great question. And, you know, my health isn't optimized right now uh, in terms of like what I used to be doing when I was living in Florida and it was just all I was focusing on, right? Like I was doing growth consulting and I had so much free time and I was just focusing relentlessly on health. I was neurotic about it. I was neurotic about what I put in my body. I was training, you know, three hours a day. It was just not sustainable. And I, at the end of the day, I looked, I'm like, what am I optimizing my health for? Right? Like to go in and like to roll on the mat with a bunch of dudes for two hours a day. Like, you know, there's so much more. So now I have a lot more balance uh, in terms like of my health. I keep a lot more minimalist. You know, the amount of nootropics and supplements that I used to take compared to now, you know, now I just focus on addressing nutrient and mineral deficiencies and like specific acute changes that I'd like to make um, that help me with like my focus and my ADHD. In terms of how can I maintain like staying fit and staying strong and keeping my health, you know, pretty, pretty top level while I'm traveling, it first comes down to like how big of a priority is it to you? And like two, how much of it is, uh, how much of your identity is tied up in health? And for me, you know, that's almost all my identity. That's like who I am. That's who I perceive myself as. So I make the sacrifices to do that. And it's not sacrifices to me. 
you know, I always find a gym. If I don't find a gym, I do trigger sessions, right? Push-ups, pull-ups, squats, stretching, whatever it is, I can do it anywhere. Anyone can do it anywhere. Like I'll find a branch and I'll do some pull-ups. It's just part of my lifestyle. And in terms of food, you know, I've uh, like been obsessed with nutrition since I was like 15, right? I was a little kid and I remember getting pinned in wrestling. I'm like, I never want this to happen again. So I hit the weights and I've just, you know, been hitting and eating ever since. I just ate a full chicken like an hour ago. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it's like, you know, understanding nutrition at a fundamental mechanical level. Like if, if you can understand the mechanisms behind macronutrients and micronutrients and like getting proper nutrition, it makes it so much easier to like mix and match based on what you have. You know, for me, my diet now is a lot of meat and fruit. Um, I'm experimenting with a little bit of a higher carb diet because I want to put on a little bit more muscle just for fun. Um, but like, it's just knowing what opportunities are available and then being creative with it and like making sure that you always have those staples that you can find anywhere. For me right now, it's steak, it's eggs, it's rotisserie chicken, it's fish, it's tuna, it's sardines. I always have those. And then I just couple those with fruit and I'm good to go. Like I could eat on the run. You know, I stayed in an Airbnb a while ago that didn't have a kitchen. It just had like a little frying pan, or excuse me, like a little electric skillet. And like, I could have lived on that for a month. Um, getting comfortable with less and not having to think that optimal performance requires uh, like a bunch of complexity, right? Like I think simplicity is sophistication. I say that in my like business life, it's the same exact thing in my personal life. I have less things. I focus on less exercises. Most of my exercises now are calisthenics based, not because you know they're optimal, just because it's simple and it's like a really fun progression. But yeah, to answer your question, it comes bad to like, it comes down to one, how bad do you want it? And two, how creative can you get? And like how much of your identity is tied up in like being a healthy person? That was, that's really good. I think the identity part is super, super key. Because it's if you everything. make it separate, you're not aligned, you know? And therefore, every time you're going to feel like you're forcing yourself to do something. But if it's a part of you, you're not forcing yourself to do anything at all. It's just you. You know what I mean? like it's like a no-brainer it's like going to the gym for you is probably like brushing your teeth you know what i mean it's just like you don't even have to think about it you just you just do it yeah 100 i have to think about not going to the gym like i really don't do well with rest days because i love it so much it's like what i think about when i go to bed it's like what i think about in the morning so you know everything else around working out is a concession for me just to like optimize for the workout the next day i, I can tell you an athlete just by that response right there because yeah every athlete says the same thing right it's like rest days are hard days you know they're brutal and i'm like what do i do like i got like so i just go and i walk i just walk and i walk and i walk i go to the park i stretch i usually just do some other form of workout and then just optimize for recovery elsewhere with nutrition and and like sleep um but shit, i was gonna say something oh yeah and like i was never like the i'd never considered myself an athlete because i didn't like team sports and i didn't like ball sports i just like martial arts and i liked mm -hmm. fitness and like, I like skiing and stuff like that. The more stuff yeah. that was focused on flow state and personal development and progression. Mm -hmm. And I think the most, the most important thing for me was the responsibility aspect. At the end of the day, you know, nobody's responsible for your physique and for your health other than you, right? Like Absolutely. it doesn't matter where you are. I'm in a country where everything's wrapped in plastic and you know, there's a fuck ton of seed oils and everything. And I eat tacos every day. At the end of the day, if I get fat, it's not Mexico's fault. It's my fault. Right. And it's just that responsibility to me is so important. And it's just the type of stuff that I look for, because I know if there's another variable that I can blame, um, it's a lot easier to blame something externally. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I never considered myself an athlete until about 
I just thought I was a meathead. Um, and then once I started doing martial arts and like people kept on saying like, dude, you're super athletic. I was like, oh, maybe I am athletic. And then that's when I kind of changed my identity. I'm like, okay, like I'm an athletic person now. And so where, how did you even get into martial arts? How, where did that start? Cause you tell me you did wrestling when you were younger as well, but like what got you into that? Yeah, I did wrestling when I was really young. Um, my parents, you know, they're very much focused on academics, uh, like wholeheartedly. And they're, I, I realize now that I'm older, you know, they're nerds, right? They like reading books. They don't like exploring and like doing crazy stuff. And they really didn't like sports. So I never really like had that uh, motivation and like push from my parents to do sports. But I always loved wrestling. I always loved, you know, like roughhousing. Like my earliest memories was me like wrestling with my grandpa. And, um, you know, it got me in trouble a lot when I was a kid because, you know, I'd always be getting in tussles and fights and stuff like that. Um, but like, I just always loved martial arts. I loved Eastern Asian culture. I loved, you know, Shaolin. I loved everything about it. I'm like my favorite movie was always Warrior. It's that MMA movie of the two brothers. I remember watching it when I was like 12, 13. And I like as I was watching it, I went and like grabbed a dumbbell um, from the workout room. And I just started like like working out. And I've just always been obsessed with it. And, you know, I was never allowed to do it as a kid. So my parents are like, we're not putting you in a sport that the goal is to give someone else brain damage or get brain damage yourself. And, you know, same in college, you know, I was just so busy with other stuff, social life and like not really being prioritized. I just never focused on it. Um, the second I graduated college, I'm like, it's now or never. I got to do it. I, I tore my calf actually in a skiing injury. And after that, I just completely changed my training style to focus on mobility and functional strength and injury prevention. Like, you know, I, I just call it like bulletproofing myself. And um, I started training in my in my garage. You know, I was I was I was training in college too. you know, I was doing boxing and I was doing like my own heavy bag training, but like nothing like really competitive. Um, I joined a gym when I was back in Minnesota. It was called The Cellar. Incredible gym, like training with pro fighters. And I just went every single day. I went twice a day. Um, that was when I was in cybersecurity and I kind of just built my, my routine around that and I just became obsessed with it. And it was just this progression of learning about yourself, you know, applying your unique skill sets, identifying your deficits and building a game around it. It was one of the most, you know, self, uh, it, it was an incredible practice of self-awareness and like self-discovery, right? Cause you build a game around your physical and physiological and psychological attributes, right? Like, okay, I'm really explosive. I have short legs. I have really long arms. Like I've got a really strong glute bridge. I do really good at applying pressure. You know, I've got a really good guard game. And you start building out this unique style around who you are. And the only way to do that is what we were talking about with self-awareness and being aware like, okay, I'm super susceptible to these types of submissions. So I'm not going to put myself in these positions or like, I have really, really good hip dexterity. So the rubber guard is going to be my best friend. And, um, man, I just fell in love with it. Like, when I quit cybersecurity, that's all I was doing. I was just doing martial arts. I was doing a little bit of consulting. And then I uh, tried my hand at starting a food truck with some guys. And that was not fun. Um, but yeah, no, I guess to answer your question, that's kind of how I, I was always into it. And then I just decided it was now or never in terms of actually training and trying to compete. And that's when I kind of got sucked into it. That's awesome. And how is it in New Mexico? Because I mean, Minnesota, I'm sure it's a lot different than than, you know, the gyms in Mexico, how, how was the transition going from? Yeah. You know? So I started out at like the best gym ever. I've gone to a lot of gyms now, Muay Thai gyms, uh, MMA gyms and jujitsu gyms. 
the gym that I went to in Minnesota was the best gym I've, I've ever experienced, you know, like being able to train with pro fighters, uh, on the daily basis. It was just like an incredible experience. The coaches were incredible. I moved down to Florida. I did not have the same experience. I had a pretty bad experience actually with a few gyms and it kind of like made me lose my luster for it down here, mixed martial arts, especially jujitsu. It's not as pronounced. It's not as common as you probably know. Boxing is the big sport down here. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still really good. You know, the part of Mexico City that I'm staying in, that I was staying in, they had just a lot of great gyms, which I went to quite a bit. You know, some of the Henzo Gracie gyms are down here. Um, I unfortunately got injured a few weeks ago, about a month ago, and I have not been able to train since. Um, but I've still been able to train. I just started training like strength training again, which is good. But um, I'm going back to Florida for a little bit um, this week, actually, before I go down to South America. So I'll, I'll like get some training in there. And then South America has got some really good gyms. Uh, awesome. awesome. Seems like, well, so what's a typical day, uh, in Noah's life. So that will be, yeah, well, it varies a lot. I think the primary thing is, you know, waking up, getting sunlight, obviously that's my big thing. Um, I try to go electronics free for the first hour or so. Sometimes I'm just like, screw it. Like I know what I need to do. I planned out the day before and I'm just going to execute on it. Um, I always walk, you know, about a mile to a coffee shop because I love getting that early morning walk in. I usually don't eat breakfast. Um, I'll usually wake up and I'll take some supplements. Um, in the morning I usually take ginkgo biloba, a vitamin B complex, pretty much all the supplements that I can take that aren't going to push me out of that fast. Um, and then, you know, I'll go, I'll have my coffee about 90 minutes after waking up or so. That's usually my threshold. I wait about 90 minutes. Uh, just so it doesn't double spike my cortisol and then I crash harder. Um, and then I work until about noon. Those are like my prime productivity hours. My green zone is between eight and noon. Um, it, it technically between eight and, and two, um, and probably eight and noon. I, I work until eight from eight until noon. And that's when I really focus on those big levers, right? Whatever it is, I'm focusing exclusively on that. I really try to guard that time. And I work from coffee shops because it gives me that productivity. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm playing that character. Um, and then from there I go to the gym. I don't like the fact that I work out at noon because it's like right in between that eating window. So I usually end up working out fasted, um, which probably isn't the best, but it just works the best for my schedule. Um, and then I work out for about two hours and then I walk about a mile home. I usually get like a full chicken and some fruit. I usually eat that. Um, and I'll usually have on a call on the way home. So like usually I'll call my business partner or I'll call like any client that I want to talk to or something like that. And then I go home, um, I eat some more and then I do some like passive work between like four and six. Cause that's kind of like my downtime. That's just where I'm not as productive. And then after six, I usually do just more like exploratory work. If I have something I have to do really bad, I'll do that. Otherwise I'll just, I'll go explore. You know, I just love exploring, especially if I'm in a new city. So I'll walk around, you know, I'll have my phone, I'll have my notebook with me. And like, I'll do a lot of like the strategy planning, like I said, which is what, in my opinion, one of the most important things that I can provide is like keeping that vision for the organization and keeping everything on the same page and identifying those key tasks that I can then execute on be it later that night, but usually the next morning. Awesome. Seems like you got like a really good structure going on here. Like, uh, I, kind, I, of. I, kind of, yeah, I, I think like doing the work in the morning is like undefeated like putting in like a good amount like four to five hours of work in the morning is like it's hard to beat really i don't know why like some people some people say oh i'll do my work better in the in at night or whatever but like once you get up if you get just get up a lot earlier and you're able to get some work focused i don't know you just, mm. 
I don't know. I'd rather just do that in the morning. You know, you uh, there's something about waking up in the morning and putting in the work. Like your brain just dialed in. Yeah, you know, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Like, and especially if you get if you really put in these like you know you get these like high lever tasks done. Uh huh. It's like okay, now you you're, you 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 went through your day. It's already noon, but you're like you're walking dub. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you got a lot of the most important stuff done, and it's like. It sets the momentum. It, it starts with like making your bed, like you were saying earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get up, you go for a walk. You know, once you go, you out, you take your coffee, you put in the work by noon. Yeah. You know what I mean? You 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 build almost the momentum. Boom, 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 boom. And so, like over time, have you felt that like living in Mexico, like time goes by a lot quicker, or is it just not as much? Time goes by differently. I'll say that sometimes it's like, man, I can't believe I've been here for, you know, six months. And then sometimes like, man, I can't believe I've only been here for six months and like weeks will go by. I like, for, I typically don't go off a normal schedule anyway. You know, I love working on weekends and like, sometimes I'll just like not work on a Tuesday. Um, but like, yeah, time just goes by weird here. It's just like the culture has a different relationship with time. You know, you say three 30 here, that means anytime between four and six, um so it's like it's different but yeah one thing i forgot to mention in terms of routines i take a cold shower every morning i love cold showers and i know that's like one of those hardo things where everyone's like oh you got to take a cold shower to be successful i do it because it gets me up like i do it because it gets me up it just shocks my system and like sometimes in the morning i'll be like i don't want to do anything you know i think everyone has that for me i get really nostalgic and for some reason i think about video games like i think I'm like oh man it was so much easier when i was just like you know, going to school and like playing video games. And I'm like, you know, shut up, like shut up, get up, go in the shower. And uh, that wakes me up. So a lot of cold showers, a lot of ice baths. Um, I do want to add that to the routine, which I, I saw I on think. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, man, I yeah. always do an ice baths. I did two of them yesterday. Um, they're, they're pretty big down here now, or at least in the, like, obviously in the community that I'm in. That's awesome. And what are the pros and cons of being in Mexico? If you were like, be as honest as possible yeah so you know i use mexico i love mexico i really do the pro in terms of being here as opposed to being somewhere else if you want to be a nomad you're in the same time zone as the u.s so if you're working with clients or you're working with a company that's in the u.s there's no difference for me working here than working in minnesota uh pro number two the weather is incredible pro number three the food is delicious pro number four everything is extremely reasonable Pro number five, the culture is actually really, really cool. Pro number six, if you want to learn Spanish, come down here for three months and don't let yourself speak any other language than Spanish and you'll probably be fluent. Um, other pros, the ability for domestic travel is unrivaled. I can buy a ticket for $60 and be on the other side of Mexico in like two hours. Um, other pros, let's see, what else do I like about Mexico? I can use my same cellular plan as I use in the US. I actually get better service here than when I was living in Florida. Unlimited data, unlimited calling to the US. Um, other pros, you can get in for 180 days without a visa. I think those are the main ones. Those are the main ones for sure. One thing that's unique about Mexico is it's an old country, right? People have been living in Mexico for thousands of years. And more uniquely, it is a country that is very much geographically segregated. So there are areas where people are kind of stuck in isolation because of mountains, because of rivers, because of tough terrain. So, so many other regions in Mexico have very unique and distinct cultures. So you can go, unlike the US where it's only 250 years old, 
there are some distinctions between Northeastern culture, Western culture, and Southern culture, but those have only been evolving for the last 250 years. On top of that, globalization has been around for like the last 50 years or so in, in the United States. So there's a lot of more like homogeneity. Here it's a little bit different. The culture is a little bit more deeply rooted. So you can really go somewhere else and it can feel like a whole different world, not in just terms of topography from like going from a mountain to a desert, but in terms of culture, in terms of food, in terms of the way they speak. You know, there's some places in Mexico that still speak native dialect. So I find that very unique. Also, it is the, uh, it's the gate to all of South America. If you're flying to South America from the United States, you're most likely going to have to stop in Mexico. So why not be here in the first place? Mm. And, and the cons so. right the cons um seed oils i think are a big one you know there's seed oils everywhere i don't like seed oils uh at all um i know i sound like every single dude on twitter but, but i noticed that i get like visceral fat storage my midsection gets significantly larger when i consume seed oils i get more sunburn i get more inflammation it's just no it's like bad news bears and i've experimented i've experimented with completely removing seed oils and being very relaxed on my seed oil intake anecdotally speaking you know it does have a significant effect on my health um additionally you know the pollution is pretty pretty depending on where you go it can be pretty bad but that's you know with a lot of countries and a lot of places um in terms of like food quality i don't really have an issue with it right like you know going to school in bangkok i got used to it like just eating chicken off the road like not doing any of that stuff but like i had fish the other day and like there was a parasite in it I was like, ah, that's kind of fucking gross. Um, it's tough to find, you know, quality supplements that I like down here. I don't really trust them, which has been good for me because it's just forced me to be more minimalist. Um, other other cons, yeah, not as much development in the health and supplement space. Um, everything here, unfortunately, has a lot of additives in it. Uh, but that's just like the United States. So I think that's really everywhere. I think the only difference is like, because I'm traveling, I don't really know those spots where I can find the good stuff, uh, the quality stuff as quickly as I could elsewhere. If I like really knew the area and the region, but I think that's it, man. That's like the only problem I have. Everything's wrapped in plastic and they put like heated stuff in plastic. They do the same thing in the United States. I'm just hyper vigilant about it. It's like, I got my rotisserie chicken today and they put it in a plastic bag right off the skewer. And I'm like, Oh, sucks but um yeah. it's worth it to me right like it goes uh -huh. back to what are you optimizing for what sacrifices are you willing to make for me if it's part of experiencing a culture i'm willing to have some gluten i'm willing to have some seed oils um but yeah for the most part like not not many cons other than that and that's yeah. just me being erotic i'm surprised I, I was like to be honest i was like damn not as many cons as i expected like that's pretty it seems like you know things are going pretty well though like uh you know i think it depends some people have a different experience than others i think first of all you speaking the language and you just being a cool guy overall helps <laughs> you know what i mean like if you're a bit of an asshole and you go there and you're super entitled i think it just attracts a bit more problems i'm sure you've you've seen and you've yes. seen it right 100 that's spot on so yeah uh, it's it's um like there's people here that they want that i don't really care for being super luxurious like i'm cool with taking a bus Right. Like I'm cool with like I just like drive a motorcycle and um, like I'm cool with things being dirty. I'm cool with being heckled. Like I don't really like some people get uncomfortable in certain areas of Mexico. I've never had any bad experiences, like super bad experiences. I've had much worse in like other countries. Um, I just like I don't really need a lot of luxuries. Like I'm cool with like 
just eating fruit and meat that I get from like some cool store. I think it's part of the culture, right? Like it's mm. so cool going to a meat market. There are a lot of people that I know in Mexico City, especially that are a lot more. I think you said it right. It's almost an entitlement. Like I deserve to be treated well because I'm from, you know, the United States. And I just, I hate that. I hate that so much. Like I said, I like being the only foreigner in a lot of places that I go. Like if I see a restaurant and it's full of natives, I'm like, I'm eating here. Like I'm eating here. If I see a restaurant and the, the menu's in English, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm eating here. So <laughs> different mentality. Yeah. And also the prices are a lot different too. <laughs> yeah. 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 That helps a lot too. Well, you see the English menu, it's like, oh, definitely the price could be three to five X here. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I, ref yeah. I refuse to be profiled as a tourist. I refuse to be profiled as a foreigner. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I, I get the most furious when I get trapped in like, or like when I get stuck in tourist traps. So I avoid those like the plague. Yeah. And I think you also end up actually experimenting like or discovering the true Mexico. Exactly. You know? Like I was in Central Africa for a bit. And there, a lot of the people who come and visit are, they stay very separate. Like they go on certain islands, they never actually look, go into the country and they don't go into the jungle and stuff like that. But once you go, you, you see something that no, not many people see, you know? And it's just like quite, it's like the richest experience you could have is going where not all the tourists are going. And then you actually meet the people and you connect with them. And it's just like, whoa, you know what I mean? That's what it's all about. I don't want to go to tourist Mexico, right? I don't want to go to a resort that's owned by a global international company that's appeasing to Canadians and Americans. You know, I want to go somewhere, like I said, that's meant for the people that live there. I want to be part of that. You know, I grew up this mustache. I'm at the point now with my Spanish where people think I'm Argentinian and I just go along with it. And um, I just get such a better experience. Like I like being uncomfortable. That's my biggest thing. It's like, I seek out places where I'm uncomfortable and a great way to be uncomfortable is to get culture shock, right? Like being in a hustle and bustle environment where you're like the, you're the only person that hasn't been living there. It's like, well, this is crazy. It'd be a lot more comfortable if I was in a place where there's a bunch of people like me and it was geared towards that type of like tourists. But I, I hate that. Like that's not true Mexico. Yeah. That's like going to times square and calling that like rural Midwestern, like Midwestern America, you know, it's not the same. Not the same, not the same at all, right? And so it's like uh, it's funny because some people put they 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 think of the U.S. as like New York or whatever, right? They put themselves that, that image, but then you go to some place like in Ohio, Minnesota, or like Arkansas, whatever, something completely different. It's not the same at all. Like sometimes you go from one state to another, it's like a, you feel like you're in a completely different country, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the same for like you know, it could be Mexico, it could be Central Africa, it could be, you know what I mean? Like it's like there's two different worlds a lot of the time within the same country. Yeah, hundred percent. And dude, there's so many countries in the world where the national border is just fabricated. And internally there's like seven to 32 different ethnic groups. Like China has 32 different ethnic groups within those Chinese boundaries, but it's all just bundled up as China. Like mm. you look at Western Chinese compared to like Eastern Chinese, like the people, they look completely different. Everything about them is completely different. We bundle Asia in the United States all as one. Like when I was living in Bangkok, people were like, oh, Bangkok, where's that? China? Like that that's in Taiwan, isn't it? Bangkok, Taiwan. Mm. And I'm like, no, like those are two completely different worlds. So hmm. um, yeah, it's something that you, I feel like you really have to experience it to understand it, or you have to take the initiative to actually research the culture and the history. Like, you know, mm. even for me with like Asian culture, I took a lot of Eastern Asian studies in, in high school, or excuse me, in college. And like that helped distinguish that. If I didn't have that, I'm sure like I would have a tough time distinguishing 
between Korean culture and Japanese culture in some extent. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so I I have a quick question because if if right now you could give some advice to someone who's like just you know who graduate college or who's in college right now and they're a little bit lost they they want to start something online they want to start a business but they don't exactly know where to start what advice would you give to them right it's like almost speaking to your younger self because i know a lot of people who are in a situation where they want to do something but they don't know where to get started and you've done a lot of stuff so if you had any you know if you had any advice to those people right now what would you give yeah that's a great question and i think about that a lot right because in terms of creating content and sharing ideas they always say share the stuff that you would have told yourself three years ago you know, when I started college, I was a dumb 18 year old kid, right? Like I cared about partying and working out and uh, I liked getting good grades because I thought it made me feel cool. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I was passionate about. But all I knew is like, if I had to do anything, I'd have to do two things. I'd have to market it and sell it. So I just tried to identify all the skills that I could learn that would one, enable me to provide value but two, be applicable regardless of what life path I chose. So I purposely avoided like building skills and focusing my attributes in areas that would confine me. My biggest fear was always like constriction, confinement and golden handcuffs. So I didn't study finance. You know, I was going to school to study law. I was like, that, that would suck. I've never talked to a lawyer that didn't hate his job. I didn't want to do accounting because that would trap me in that one thing. I chose, I always chose the broadest skill sets. I tried to really get good at communication. I got really good at sales or I tried to get, yeah, I, I, I focused on getting good at sales. I majored in marketing and entrepreneurship. I made my skills as broad as possible because I was like, there's about 25 things I could see myself doing. What are the skills I can learn now that could apply to all 25 of those? And then slowly as I progress and as I matured and I understood who I was and what I wanted to be, I made those skills more and more specific. So I'd say start broad, like identify what are the things that you're that can apply to anything. For me, it was marketing and sales, because um, once you get marketing and sales down, you know, that's two thirds of the funnel. Now you just have product and fulfillment and you can switch that out all willy nilly. And that's what I'm doing now. Right. It's like, all right, let's try an offer. Doesn't work. That's all right. We already have the marketing and sales down. We have the copywriting down. We have all that down. Let's just switch the offer. That would be my piece of advice. Um, I think number two, it's like focus on the one thing that you really think you could be world-class at, even if there isn't a specific monetization route in sight. I think my biggest regret um, is like, I always knew I was really big into biology. I was obsessed with biology. I was always really good at it. I just, it just came naturally to me, but you know, I focused on business and I'm not, I'm not mad that I focused on business. I just wish that I would have pursued biology a little bit more um, in tangent with business. Because I really could see myself getting to that top 1%. I couldn't see myself getting to like the top, you know, 1% in finance. I couldn't see myself getting to the top 10%, 5%. Cause I just wasn't interested in it innately. So I guess like in this day and age, you can monetize anything. There's people out there that are making $70,000 a year doing commentary on Smurf videos, right? Like Smurf movies. So you can really make money doing anything. The only way to become the best at what you do is to actually love it and do it if there was no money involved. So I, I would say don't discredit that. Damn, that was phenomenal advice. Like, I think starting, like that point you said earlier about starting abroad is incredibly important. Like, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. you could start something and it doesn't go your way. And then you start a different business model or you learn a different type of skill. And then you're naturally good at it and you excel in that. And you didn't realize it at the in the first place because you just didn't give it a try. Like some people, like 
they're like, oh, I'm gonna do copy and copywriting. They learn, they learn, they just realize that they're not too too much into it, and they start learning sales, even though they're it's like pretty much the same thing, right? One's one's by work like written and one's yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> you know on the phone. But some people are like more adapt to connecting with people one on one and talking to them. And then naturally like, oh wow, this this is like perfect for me. This is fully aligned with me. And so from then the the skill matches their natural ability, natural skills as well, and they just excel. Right. Sorry for the noise in the background. Somebody's I like, didn't hear me. anything. No okay. worries. <laughs> okay. And so, no, no, I think starting broad is really important. Like the truth is most of your businesses that you're going to start off. I think even people listening right now, you're not going to like pull like gold right off the bat. Like, you know what I mean? Like most businesses don't end up like succeeding right off the bat, but that this should you don't fuck the stats. You know what I mean? Just start anyways, start something, learn a skill. Even if you like working with someone else, like, I mean, I'm sure you're experienced working with cybersecurity really gave you a bunch of skills that now you implement to this day, you know, just experience and being around those type of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. hundred percent. No, I think that's spot on too. It's like, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what passion is going to grip you. So like, don't worry about finding your passion right away. Um, I th- God, it sounds so cliche, but yeah, it's like, just figure out what things are going to benefit you regardless. Obviously understanding human psychology is huge at the end of the day, no matter what you're going to do, going to involve working with people understanding yourself is probably one of the highest roi things that you can put time and energy into be it through journaling through understanding psychology and then applying it to yourself through introspection um and yeah in terms of the last thing that you said i was going to say something about that um what i forgot what was the last thing you you ended up that with um i forgot but okay no worries. Uh, let me so one more thing like one more thing that you just said earlier that i want to point back because we're going to wrap it up soon because i don't want to take all your time right now but uh one thing uh when you said sales and marketing yeah if you master those two skills you could do whatever you want like like you're born like yeah and especially compounds over time too it's like even if, let's say whatever 25 23 21 even the earlier you are the better like over time your skill set keeps getting better you know and then you could just partner with the right person and blow anything up right just because you have the right skills and it's like it's an industry where there's a lot of money so you'll know you'll never be broke like even if you have just one of them sales and marketing you know what I mean? It's if you have both, you're going to become a killer. But, right? Plus, you have like the strategic operation side of things, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you, you do whatever you want, right? Especially if you know the right people. Boom. You know? Absolutely. 100%. And yeah, I think that's what you're talking about with like what I gained from cybersecurity. You know, leading a team, it was the most, like the amount of growth that I had in two years was just leaps and bounds above what I would experience anywhere else. Like just having that foundation like available and those resources available to build a team and to run it and have that responsibility, kind of like play that role. You know, it just taught me so much about setting systems and building operations and most importantly, working with people, right? Once again, like you said, if you can learn where to, where to work with people, you can move mountains, identifying skill sets that people have and optimizing for those skill sets, you know, getting out of their way so they can focus on what they're really good at. And, you know, having the humility to like pick up the slack, um, finding out your specific leadership style and applying that. You know, I find that I work best like in the servant based leadership model. So it's like, hey, listen, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to figure out what you do best and I'm going to help you optimize so we can get like the maximum value out of your skill set. And most importantly, make sure that you enjoy what you're doing so you can give 100 percent every day. Um, It was it was a great experience. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's just such a killer combination. Marketing, sales and operations. I mean, you have the foundations for any solid business model if you can master those three. Boom. Wow this was this was good this was good Noah. like this was a pretty good podcast like 
I feel like I've got like 10 other questions I want to ask you, but I want to save it for like a, a part two or something. Because Dude, let's I, do a part two. I'd love to. Because I, I think it'd be really cool to have you back on. Because I have like a bunch of questions as well, like health side as well. But like, I think for the people listening, I think we've been over an hour here. And also I want to respect your time. Um, yeah, let's definitely do a part two. We can dig more into the health side of things. Like I said, like that's my bread and butter. That's what I really care about. Yeah, well, all the rest is just optimizing my life so I can focus on that. So. Yeah, we'll dedicate like a podcast strictly for that. So Noah, let's tell me that. if anybody wants to reach out to you or get in touch with you, what's the best way for people to do that? Twitter DMs. I love getting Twitter DMs. I'm always in them. I'm always answering questions. Any questions, especially when it comes to health um i just i love that shit so if anyone has any questions reach out to me and i'll respond right away yeah as you guys know what to do make sure you guys follow my boy noah his uh, his, that will be co his his that will be in the show notes um and you guys can just make sure you guys follow him you know if you guys enjoy the podcast let him know he's a really cool guy noah thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today um really appreciate you taking a bit of time of your day to uh to come here on the podcast really it's been uh it's been a pleasure hey viz i appreciate it man you know this type of stuff energizes me um i'm like very much more energized to go and do work now so it's not taking time away it's actually helping me so i really appreciate it awesome awesome all right Noah. um peace out and you guys please make sure you guys follow Noah on twitter thank you guys for listening thanks viz appreciate